I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour Podcast. I'm Amy Stevenson. Have you heard of the word strangles? It doesn't sound great, and it's something that we're quite scared of when it comes to our horses. We've heard about it. We don't really know what it is, though. So Chris Wright from BMW Equine Vets is going to explain all about strangles and some other infectious diseases, too. What are the signs, symptoms, and how do we treat these infectious diseases? This is Horse Hour. might have heard of the word strangles and to me it's quite a scary word because I've heard it I know that it hurts our horses but I don't know anything about it so Chris Wright is joining us today he's the director of B&W Equine Vets he's an advanced practitioner in equine internal medicine and veterinary diagnostic imagery how are you Chris I'm very well thank you how are you Amy good I'm good thank you that description sounds quite complicated in the in us simpleton terms what what does that actually mean um it, it means that I have done, since qualifying, I've done further study in imaging, which, which is predominantly x-rays and CT now, mm. uh, and also equine medicine. And I completed an internship at the Bristol University in the early 90s, which is where I got my interest in medicine from. Oh, wow. So taking photos of the inside of a horse then means that, is, is that how you get to see the diseases and learn about them? Uh, no, no, the two, the two subjects are actually quite separate. Um, Im- imaging was really looking, was predominantly looking at bones and orthopedic disease in horses, uh, and the medicine was tagged on with it. So, I, so yeah, they're quite, they're quite different subjects, and I just happen to have an interest in both of them. Oh, and you're quite uh, passionate about infectious diseases, aren't you? I, I am. I, I do do a lot of the work with infectious diseases at the hospital, um, yeah, they, it, I, I find them quite interesting, and I find often the public perception of them or misperception of them is, is also quite fascinating. Yes, come on. What, what misperceptions have you heard? That we're all well, completely crazy and we panic uh, at the slightest No, leaf. no, not at all. <laughs> and and uh, certainly strangles does cause a, a lot of panic when it, when it breaks out on a yard. Mm. Um, uh, but a common misconception of strangles is that it's a virus, but actually it's a bacteria. Oh, um, really? That, it, does, it does make a... a a subtle difference to, to how we manage it so obviously because it's a bacterial disease there may be a place in treating this condition with antibiotics but we can talk about that later uh, whereas obviously with viral disease antibiotic usage is, is best controversial and, and probably also ineffective in a lot of cases so we can do something with antibiotics in horses with strangles um, 
but also people worry that strangles can spread great distances um, like foot and mouth disease does well that's also not true um, strangles is a disease although it's very infectious it's very infectious locally so you need close contact with an infected animal nose-to-nose contact really or contact with uh, something like an infected um, feed bowl or water trough um, but it won't, it won't spread miles and miles in the air unlike foot and mouth disease and to some degree equine influenza also uh, carried on the air a long way but strangles will not spread a long way that way. That's, um, that's really good to hear because uh, for my personal circumstances I, I live near the New Forest and there's this massive fear, you're always hearing people say don't let the horses drink from the water because the New Forest wild ponies could have strangles. Yes uh, and I think there's, there's probably some some truth in that. I, I'm, I'm not familiar with with strangles in the New Forest because I, I don't work down there. But certainly, uh, water troughs, uh, the, the strangles will will survive in the environment for probably up to about a week maximum in, if it's in a shady, damp environment. It certainly doesn't like bright sunshine and it certainly doesn't like being dry. Uh, but otherwise, it's usually from close contact between horses. There's also a, a potential spread by what's called fomites. Um, and a fomite would be a, something like a veterinary surgeon's shoes or dirty instruments, um, clothing, that sort of thing. That, that will spread it. Um, but again, strangles doesn't, won't survive for long on your clothes because it doesn't like being dry. So what do you do then as a vet when you go and see a horse that has strangles? How do you then, do you have to clean yourself before you go and see the next horse? Yeah. So if we, if we were asked to go and look at a horse that had suspect strangles, the first thing we'd do is we'd try and do it the last, last call of the day and then go home, shower and wash our clothes. If the horse is particularly sick or we, we were not aware that, that it was a potential strangles case, we, we all carry um, paper suits in our car. So if, if we, there's any suggestion that we're going to treat an infectious disease, we will usually don a, a paper suit, which is disposable, uh, and usually overshoes as well. Mm. If, we can't, if we don't have overshoes, we'll dip our feet in uh, something called Vercon disinfectant to, to make sure we don't spread the disease because... Uh, that, that wouldn't be a good thing for a veterinary surgeon to do. Well, you touched on suspect strangles, and I've heard that before. So I'm, that's obviously before you've actually, a vet has confirmed that it is strangles, but is suspect strangles something that we need to be aware of? Yeah, I think, I think the, the problem with strangles is that although we're probably all aware of what the classic signs of strangles are, so horses with classic strangles have high temperature, they're off their feed, they have swellings in their throat, which will then burst and drain pus. Uh, and usually that's fairly obvious what that is. But unfortunately, there's also uh, some horses will get very, very mild strangles where they may be slightly off color for a few hours or not even that. Um, and they actually have the disease and they can, they can pass it on, but they don't really show any signs. And then, of course, we have what's called the carrier status, which is probably how the disease uh, persists. In, in the UK horse population, and, and a carrier horse is a horse that's had the disease, that shows no clinical signs, and is, has recovered completely, but intermittently will shed the bacteria in, in nasal discharge, and so can spread it onto a yard and can spread it around the yard. But that's not the horse that you wouldn't pick that horse out as in in, in any way. They're, they're usually very well, mm. and that, that that can be quite a challenge. Yeah, is it a bit like the flu? So, do they get runny noses? So horses with classic strangles, they will be, just, the first thing you notice is that they have a temperature and, and, and the 
used the thing you notice that they're off their feet and dull and miserable. Uh, a few days later, um, they will then develop a, a, a nasal discharge, which is usually quite pussy, and then they can develop swellings underneath their chin and also at the back of their throat. If, if the disease is, is bad, um, the, the, the term strangles comes from the fact that the, the glands, which are the, the swellings in their neck, um, swell and can partly occlude their airway. And so some horses, if they're severely affected, will make a, a, almost a snoring noise when they breathe in, and that's because it's, it's strangling their airway. Mm. Um, but they're usually fairly obvious. As I say, the, the difficult ones are the, are the very mild cases where they don't show those signs. They're perhaps just a, uh, a little off colour for you know a day or so, and, and by the time you thought, oh, I'll call the vet, they've actually got better. Oh, gosh. But by that point, they've spread it, haven't they? Yes, and, and, but they will spread the disease, and, and so will the carriers. Um, but you wouldn't actually realise that that's what they had. It's not like you can say to a horse, you know, how are you feeling? Are you feeling a bit under yeah. the weather, you know? No, but usually, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a, a horse that loves its tea and, and, and you go to feed it in the evening and it looks at it and says, I'm terribly sorry, but I'm not prepared to eat that today, um, you've got an idea something's, something's amiss. Mm. So, and certainly I think that's very useful when you have a confirmed outbreak of strangles on a yard. Uh, I think that's a very useful thing to do is to start taking their temperature and just observe them eating. They should be uh, eating as normal. Their temperature sh- um, um, should be normal. And, it, and if they spike a temperature or take off a feed, I think that's a, a course to call your veterinary surgeon. And can you remind us, please, how to take a horse's temperature? Because it would be so good for us to be able to do these kind of uh, think, to do this before you get there so we can say right okay he's off his feed he's not feeling great this was his temperature at nine o'clock this morning so when you get there you as a vet can tell the difference can't you yes um i think taking a horse's temperature is relatively straightforward and um, nowadays we would tend to use the digital thermometers uh, and a normal horse's temperature is anything up to about 38.2 38.3 degrees mm. um, so it's a little bit higher than, than it would be in, in people um and certainly if you get above 38.5, that, that's an abnormal temperature for a horse. And usually by 38.7, they're starting to look a little bit miserable and, and certainly their appetite will be affected normally. And is it still um, so where you sorry, pop it up his bum? Yes. Pop it, <laughs> pop it, <laughs> How else am I going to say that? <laughs> if you are worried that your horse might kick, just let the vet do it. There's no point putting yourself at risk. Uh, it, it's not it's not worth it. But if you if you feel you can do it safely, certainly pop in a digital thermometer up their bum um, with a little bit of KY jelly or sometimes even a little bit of spit just to help slide it in uh, is a useful thing to do. Okay. So we've then found out that sadly our horse has got strangled. You've come down and said, I'm really sorry. It's, um, it's the average version. The, um, typical, the typical version with the swollen glands, the, the runny nose and off colour. Yeah, what, what would we do then? Right, so I think the first thing to do is to try and stop the disease spreading. So obviously if you're in a situation where you have one horse in one field, that's easy because it's not, it has no um, colleagues to spread it to. But if it's a horse on a yard, then it, it's very important to isolate it, to stop the disease spreading. Um, we would then strongly suggest that um, we give the horse bute and cowpole for ponies really mm-hmm. you want to bring the, bring their temperature down and make them feel better um, at this stage we as a practice we would tend to avoid antibiotics uh, and that's controversial but we tend to avoid them because i think sometimes that can make the disease actually last longer than it than, than it needs to if we can manage the horse away from antibiotics we, we will do that 
So we'll give them butte, we will isolate them, uh, and we'll make sure that they're as comfortable as possible, feed them sloppy feed, um, and try not to spread the disease from that horse to other horses, so isolate them, uh, and also wear um, some disposable overalls, or if you have one horse, then just when you go home, just change your pants. So, so you spread. said you said before this is a bacterial disease. This isn't yes. a virus. Yes, it's a bacterial disease. It's caused by a bacterium called Streptococcus equi var equi. So it's a, Streptococcus that affects horses. Right. Okay. So, how would you then, once you've isolated the horse, how would you then get rid of the bacteria without using antibiotics? So, um, as a rule, most horses, and certainly probably more than ninety percent of horses, will get better. Um, all by themselves, they will fight off the infection and they will then develop a, a reasonable degree of immunity. Certainly in, in healthy older horses, they have quite a reasonable immunity to strangles um, and they'll fight off themselves without any, without any further intervention. We, if the horses become very distressed or extremely unwell, we would then have a discussion about whether we're going to use antibiotics or not. Mm. They, they, do, they do help, but they do have potential um, problems with their use. Oh, really? So, so basically, it's usually a self-limiting disease in the vast majority of horses. Well, that's good because the fear then must come from the the fact the words like outbreak. We've got a strangles outbreak. None of us actually know what happens once the horse has got strangles. It's just the fear of getting it. But it sounds to me like that will you know it will last about four days, a bit like man flu. They'll eventually get over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment on man flu, but um, I, I think strangles does. You do need to be aware of strangles. It, it, as we said, I think you know around 90, perhaps slightly more percent of horses with strangles will will make uneventful recoveries by themselves. But of course, that does leave, let's say, five percent that that can on, can go on to get um, further problems. There is a condition called bastard strangles, uh, which is very serious and life threatening, and that's when strangles bacteria affects the glands not in the head so perhaps in the abdomen or sometimes i've seen them in the legs as well um, that is a very serious condition and um, is very difficult to treat there's also a condition um, horses can get after they've had strangles a condition called purpura uh, where your horse has strangles it appears to make an uneventful recovery and then perhaps two to three weeks later you start to get these odd swellings their legs swell up or their face can swell up and they get pain, sometimes painful swellings down their sides. Oh, uh, right. And that is, that is also a, a problem associated with strangles, and, and, and that is um, uh, what's called an immune-mediated disease, where the horse's antibodies to the strangles it's produced so many um, that they start to um, affect the blood vessels and they, they can leak protein out of their skin. And that can also be quite serious as well. So, so what it, happens it, it, is a, it is a serious condition. So we've gone through the process then of, you know, giving them some time out and we've isolated them. They've then got over it. So you can't ride them. They've got to have, I'm presuming, pure rest and relaxation and recovery yes, time. Absolutely. Yeah. So what we would what we would then say is, if uh, assuming the horse makes recovery, which I say the vast majority of them do, you're then at the stage where really you need to prove that your horse hasn't become a carrier. Because although horses, most horses recover eventually from strangles, they can go on and become carriers, and that's not an issue for them, but it's an issue for other horses they come into contact with. And it's very important that we do try and identify these carriers because we can treat them um, afterwards. So what we would always suggest is that three weeks after your horse has 
recovered as far as you can tell. So there are no swellings, there are no discharge, no coughing, no, no, no nasal. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. They're discharged, they're eating well, and in every possible respect that they're well, we would suggest that they... Uh, we test them to see if they're carriers. And the way we would do that is, the best way to do that is to um, pop an endoscope up their nose and into what's called their guttural pouches, which are two little uh, air-filled sacs at the back of their throat, um, because this is where horses that become carriers tend to hide uh, the bacteria, and every now and again they will shed it and infect the animals. And so we would, we would strongly advise that they're tested to make sure that they're not kept, that they haven't become carriers. Oh my gosh. And then if they are, you can give them antibiotics or something to get rid of it. So if, if they are carriers, what, what usually what's happened is that the, 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 the discharge that was coming down their nose has, has started to thicken up and has rather than been runny, it's become a little bit more like cheese and then has gone on as it's dried out, it's, become, it's gone through the cottage cheese stage, stage and has actually become almost like parmesan, so hard balls of pus and these sit in what's called their guttural pouch and every now and again a little bit breaks off um, so we we try to dissolve we try to dissolve them and flush them out of the nose and if you can get rid of those uh, what's called chondroids um, the horses usually become clear quite quickly it usually takes one to two weeks to, to clear a carrier in exceptional circumstances you actually have to go in and actually fish the chondroids out um, which can be quite involved but most of them you can soften them um, with saline, etc., uh, and get them to discharge out to the nose. And once they're once they out of the guttural pouch, um, you can uh, quite quickly clear them. We then put some antibiotics into the pouch, and that will usually clear them quite quickly. You're so calming, Chris. You make it sound yeah. so, you know, not scary anymore. <laughs> I, mean, it, I think there is a lot of panic uh, around strangles, and I don't think social media always helps. Um, but... We need to be informed about the disease and we need to take a pragmatic and sensible approach to it. Mm. Um, it you know, it can, it can be serious, but most of the time, uh, I think the panic exceeds the, the severity of the disease. 
Because aren't there rules where we have to, if we think that we, so that going back to the suspect strangles, I've seen, you know, yards putting on social media on Facebook. Uh, sadly, we we ha- think we have suspect strangles, and then um, if we get confirmation, we'll let you know. And then when it's confirmed strangles, they then put a post saying we've got confirmed strangles. And uh, a rumor I heard, I'm hoping you can confirm, is is this a legal obligation? This is not a legal obligation. You do not have to notify strangles. Unless you're a racing yard uh, and you race under rules, in which case you do have an obligation to notify the British Horse Racing Board. But um, uh, horses, uh, pleasure horses, there is no obligation to notify strangles. And that is probably one of the reasons why the condition, certainly as far as I can see, will not be eradicated from the UK. I think those yards that do notify people either on Facebook or other social media, they're being extremely responsible. And I think we should applaud them for doing it because it is very detrimental to their business. For all the yards that do notify people, there are also yards that keep a lid on it and don't tell anybody. Well, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think they should notify people um, yeah. because ultimately it's the welfare of the horses that we care about the most. And Absolutely. you've actually, as a rider, someone that goes to that yard, you've got a lot more respect for that yard owner for saying, you know what, I'm sorry, we do have this. It's not our fault. We're going to deal with it in the right way. It'll take about six weeks. As soon as we're clear of it, you are all very welcome back. I, I think that is, absolutely, that, that is the way to, to, to manage this this condition we should support these these yard owners where it does break out because it's not their fault no. and and also i think it's very important to remember that um if you're on a, a large uh, large yard or a livery yard where strangles breaks out yes and um, almost certainly the horse that develops the disease it caught it from somewhere and it may well have caught it from a, a horse on the yard that's a carrier that no one knows about so don't point the finger at the person whose horse has the disease and just spontaneously develop it. It's caught. It, it, this is the thing. It could come from anywhere, so it might not even have come from somewhere at the yard. They could have had a Absolutely. show on. It could be someone from miles yes. away that, that yes. just don't know. So I guess it's about us working together to, to try and prevent the outbreak, as it were, getting any worse. Yes, I think that's... I think when, when Strangles breaks out on a, on a multi-horse yard, um, that is one of the most difficult things, is to, to get everyone together, to get everyone to pull together, and to get everyone to agree to do the same thing. Um, the yard owner, I think, should close the yard down, but as I say, they're not obliged to. There are no laws that say they have to. Um, I think Not close it down and, forever, just until the Strangles is cleared? Absolutely, yes, yeah. yeah. Just close it down until the Strangles, it, strangles is cleared and, and get everyone in the yard to agree... On, on the yard policy and get everyone to toe the line because that way um, that's how we'll minimise uh, the spread of the disease and we'll minimise horse suffering which of course everyone wants to do. Yeah so well thank you thank you for explaining strangles I hear there are a few other infectious diseases that we need to keep an eye out for too. Yeah um, so the, the, the classic one obviously will be influenza um, we certainly want to keep an eye out for that. Um, we do become quite complacent about influenza because we vaccinate horses against it, and it isn't it isn't that common. But that's probably because we vaccinate. And what what happens is as the vaccination levels go down, 
the chance of a significant influenza outbreak increase. So we do need to watch out for influenza. And, and when um, you when you vaccinate, um, I, I very nearly missed my yearly vaccination for blackjack, and yes. um, and the vet said you have to get it done within that year period. Otherwise, you have to start a three year cycle again. Could you explain to us about this three year cycle because it affects you if you're competing, doesn't it? It absolutely does affect you if you're competing. So it's actually it's actually a, a three vaccination cycle. So if you're, uh, the, the jockey club rules, which is what most um, events are run under for vaccination, the jockey club rules say that your horse should be vaccinated against influenza. The way to get your horse vaccinated against influenza is it must have a primary vaccination, let's say today, a second vaccination 21 to 92 days later, and it must not go before or after that, and then a third vaccination 150 to 200. 15 days after the second one so that's one one now one in a month and one six months after that that's what's called a primary course of three vaccinations and then it has annual boosters afterwards your horse is considered covered seven clear days after the second vaccination right does that make sense yes yeah it does uh, we, we say we call them jockey club rules because it's a jockey club that brought them in mm. but most competitions are held in the jockey club rules but if you miss, then you're, if you're over your, your date, uh, your expiry date, I guess. So say, say your vaccination, your booster is due on the 31st of January and you don't get it done until you're a bit late and don't get it done until February. That yeah. then means you have to restart your three vaccination cycle from the very beginning again. Yes, you have to start again because it, it, your, once your horse goes out of date, it will always be out of date until you've had the course of three vaccinations then. Okay. Now, does that mean, how will that affect you when you're competing? Obviously, you won't be able to ride within that six-month early period of the vaccinations, but does it matter at what point you get you, you do this three-vaccination cycle? No. It, do, it doesn't matter when you do it, but as soon as you're out of date, you remain out of date until you have had the first two vaccinations. Right. Okay. So normally, they, out of date. so normally they you do it when the horses are foal, or well not a foal, but is it about three that you start it? Um, different people start them at different times. We we would normally advocate starting vaccination from four months old. Oh really? Okay. Mm -hmm. So four months, and then say you've got it. You might have a six-year-old now, and you missed a deadline, and thought, "Oh no, I'm out of date now." So then you can easily at six start that three cycle you again. Just, you just restart. Great. I think the the disease that probably causes one of the most problems, particularly if you're thinking of breeding, will be equine herpes virus. Equine herpes virus is type one is a very common, very very common virus. And, and the thing that the, the reason it causes problems is because it, 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 it can manifest itself in, in different ways. Herpes virus type 1 can be a mild cough in most horses. Mm. It can be uh, an irritating cough and cause poor performance in uh, competition horses. It can cause abortion in pregnant mares, and more importantly, it can cause abort what we describe as an abortion storm, so uh, an outbreak of abortions on a stud farm. Um, which is probably the worst place it can ever um, no, break out. And, and unusually, but it does happen, they can, there is what's called a paralytic form where um, the horse can become very weak behind and sometimes it can come on very quickly and they can actually become unable to stand. Oh. Uh, 
that is unusual. It's quite rare to see the, the, the paralytic form. But the, the mild respiratory form is extremely common. What's bizarre is that all the symptoms sound so similar. So it's a cough, it's a runny nose, it's a feeling yeah, a bit so her, weak. Yeah, so herpes virus type 1 is, is, a, is, a, is a cough, a runny nose, and a little bit off colour, and then usually they recover quite quickly. Right, and but that's the similar to the flu. So, you know... Absolutely. Um, influenza tends, tends to be slightly more severe. Um, in The signs are slightly more severe. They, they have a really high temperature. They're very, very miserable with with influenza. They, although they're unhappy with herpes virus, they're more unhappy with influenza. Mm. Herpes virus was tends to be quite common. Influenza as a disease is relatively uncommon. Gosh. So any of those symptoms then, we phone you straight away and say... There are a whole group yeah. of respiratory viruses that are out there. Um, most of them in themselves are very, very mild uh, and, and self-limiting. Oh, well, that's good to know. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You've relieved my worries a little bit because the sign, the slightest sign of a little runny nose of blackjack, and I'm going, oh, no, is he okay? What is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah. that's quite normal, you know, when it's cold, I'm, I'm guessing it's normal for them to have a bit of a runny nose. We don't need to yeah. go panicking. And I, and I think the other thing to say is that, that, that I think in reality, in the sort of horses that we would see day to day, that, you know, the, the pleasure horses, probably the one the commonest cause of coughing is not infectious disease at all. It's poor, poor stable hygiene and um, dust, a dust cough that you'll tend to see in the winter. That would be oh. very, very common. And, of course, that's not infectious at all. No. I, 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 and on top of that, um, I'm seeing a lot of people, a lot of horses that are coughing when being ridden after eating hay because they have yes. more hay in the winter. Yes, they have more hay, uh, they're, they're, they're housed more and, and sometimes get less exercise. And exercise is very helpful for those horses. It really does help to, to clear their airways. Uh, and the, 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 classic, the classic horse with the dust cough is a horse that coughs a little bit in the winter, not so much in the summer. Uh, coughs particularly when you first take it out and then sort of, we say it's clearing its chest and then, um, and then they don't cough again until the next time you take them out. Uh, you'll sometimes see uh, a runny nose and sometimes some uh, in the morning when you come to feed the horse there are some little pools of discharge on the, on the floor that look sort of quite chewy. Uh, bits of discharge on the floor. Uh, horses, they're usually very bright, very happy, uh, and, and you know, you just put it down as a, a, a dust cough, which is what it is. But, and yeah. it's usually quite mild, but it's very, very common. Very oh, and, common. and not infectious. So And not infectious. Good. And the older your horse gets, the more likely it is to get that condition. My goodness. Well, Chris, there are so many conditions. I think we could probably talk for a whole year. <laughs> but um, but thank you very much for joining us today. Um, and I'm very grateful because your team at B&W Equine Vets are joining us every month with a new problem, a new veterinary problem, and you're going to give us some advice on it. So today it's infectious diseases. Next month it will be colic and the signs of colic. So thank you for your time of, of your team. You're very welcome. If we'd like to follow your team on Twitter, it's at BW Equine Vets, and they're quite often putting out tips and advice. Yes, we do. And we also have a Facebook page as well. Oh, brilliant. OK, we'll find you on there. Well, thank you very much, Chris, and, um, and the best of luck. I hope you have a lovely day. You're very welcome. Take care. See you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Next week, you can hear Trolls Dahlberg on Shetland ponies. He's written a book all about the Shetland pony, and we're going to learn about the breed, the history, where the Shetlands came from, what their personalities are like, how we can look after them. And Trolls is very, very passionate about the breed, and I'm really looking forward to finding out more about them because we see them everywhere, you know, like in the Shetland Grand National. But what are they really like as ridden ponies for youngsters? And also as a pet, you can catch up with previous episodes of the Horse Hour podcast on our website, horsehour.co.uk. Also, while you're there, there's loads of information on our education hub on winter nutrition from Smart Horse Feeds. Trisha from Childrick Saddles has given us advice on how to look after your saddle in the cold weather. And then my favourite thing of all is our new Spotify playlist. It's called Horse Hour Winter Hacking, and it's all our favourite songs to go riding with your horse. You can include your favourite songs too just by tweeting us tweet using hashtag horse hour and your favourite song and we will add it to the playlist for you I hope you have a really good week and I'll speak to you soon you've been listening to horse hour join the community on twitter Mondays 8pm UK time 3pm eastern by using the hashtag horse hour follow Amy at Amy Stevenson 1 and subscribe to us on Acast iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.